Welcome back to the Living Every Now podcast. My name is Will. And my name is Jake. And today we are going to be talking about getting calluses. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I know that sounds funny. So let me give it a little bit of context. Right. <laughs> the young Jacob and I have been playing a little bit of basketball recently. Very young of us to do. Yeah. You know, we're so hip and modern and, and everything. Yes. Um, and I... As it were. Also happened to, at the same time in my life, be obsessed with wearing shoes that have no support because I think that they're better for me. Mm -hmm. So as a consequence of playing basketball in shoes that could be considered socks, (laughs) um, I get... The worst blisters on my feet every single time we play. Yeah, they're pretty They're pretty gnarly. Yeah, no, there's some gnarly blisters. Uh, <laughs> and I know that I could just go to the store and buy some basketball shoes. But I also know that if I continue to play basketball with the current sock shoes that I have, my feet will eventually adapt and then I'll have calluses and then... I'll be able to get the benefits of the small shoes and be able to play basketball. So trying to be intentional about where you have calluses and thinking of calluses, not actually as some side effect of something you're doing, but actually the end goal Interesting is kind of what I'm getting at here. So the idea is I'm calling it callousing like the act of intentionally getting calluses. I like that. Callousing, it's kind of hard to say. So (laughs) improvements wanted (laughs) if anyone wants to critique. I don't know. So I I want to kind of think about the places on the human body and in the human mind that used to have calluses throughout history, but no longer do because we now live in modern, comfortable societies. Yeah. And also the, the ways we can use the benefits of modern society to gain calluses in areas that maybe the past humans didn't have them, but will make us better in the long run. I think this is very interesting. And I also think it's very important. I I can see where you're going with this conversation. I think it's really good. I don't necessarily have all the historical context, so I'm excited to listen to you and learn from you in that aspect. Um, What I do think is very interesting in as far as comparison to historical context is we have this interesting crux in this time period in being in a first world country and having so much that almost every time we are uncomfortable, we sort of have to be intentional and create it for ourselves. So we almost have to create uncomfort in a lot of different areas. Like Mm -hmm. you're intentionally picking shoes that are less comfortable so that you have a better foot support in the long run Mm -hmm. via your foot muscles. Right. Mm -hmm. But you had to be intentional about that construct. Like people don't walk around barefoot like they used to, you know what I mean? Yeah. All of our problems are problems of surplus, not problems of deficiencies. Yeah. Or too much support. Yeah. Yeah. And so we, I think it's just interesting that this is even an issue that we Mm -hmm. almost have to create, calluses for ourselves or opportunities to earn yeah. a calluses i guess because we don't we're so soft <laughs> i guess we have so much yeah. we, we're, it's very easy in 2021 to be a soft motherfucker um and not david goggins <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i, I want to be clear that 
this is not some noble savage fantasy fallacy that I'm falling into here. Like I sometimes joke around that my ideal life is life before the agricultural revolution. And that's kind of a joke, <laughs> but I also realize that, you know, the benefits of modern life are amazing. Like if I break my leg, I can go to a hospital and they'll fix it. Exactly. A thousand years ago, if you broke your leg, what are you going to do? Like really, what are you going to do? Yeah. You're going to, you, you're going to, Peace out. It, it might have been cool to like be a hunter gatherer or whatever, but I think we're smart enough that we can kind of get the benefits of both if we're intentional. Totally, and that's all this is. Totally, and like I guess being woke to the fact that you must be intentional to earn sort of, or I guess firstly you have to understand that you you can have a better life by creating these sorts of environments for yourself to earn calluses. Yeah, uh, you. Like, where does that come from? Why Why is it fundamentally better to have a catalyst life? Like, why? Like, I, I see the benefits personally, but I, I don't know if I've spent enough time thinking about it to articulate mm -hmm. it. What do you think? So that's what I want to get into. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I look, think... Sick question, Jake. It really was. <laughs> <laughs> Great segue. <laughs> Without... <laughs> Now, maybe calluses are the wrong way to look at it to start with. Okay. But the comforts of modern life hide our weaknesses. And an example of this that I've been experiencing recently is really, really cushy beds or mattresses are... <laughs> Dude, you so much. I love it. <laughs> You're like, I no, no, drop no. my bed. No, no. <laughs> we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Um, I have been reading about how to have healthy sleep. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways to have healthy sleep is to sleep on your back. Because if you sleep on your back, your spine is aligned. You don't have to push your body up with every single breath. It's better for your jaws if you can breathe through your nose while you do it. If you're any type of athlete, you don't develop um, imbalances by mm -hmm. sleeping on one side or the other. Yeah, it's better for your digestion. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of benefits to it. And I find it very hard to fall asleep when I'm on my back. And the biggest reason people find it hard to fall asleep when they're on their back is because their lower backs are very tight and are the lower backs are really tight because we sit in chairs all day and we don't exercise enough. So really, really cushy beds kind of mask the fact that we have weak lower backs. Mm. And if you get rid of your bed, which is what I've been experimenting with doing, it makes it a lot more clear that your back is is tight. So right. I've been stretching a lot more and I've been able to sleep on my back more consistently recently because without a mattress, like it is really uncomfortable just laying on your back mm -hmm. for, for long periods of time. Right. But with a mattress, you don't really ever get that discomfort and you never get to build up the, the callus, quote unquote, of having a strong lower back that is flexible and mobile and not hindered by the fact that I sit in a chair computer coding all day. Right. So, so calluses are kind of the end goal, but you get there by kind of removing away some of the the niceties that are stopping you from getting better. Okay, now I want to... I don't, I don't know where you're going to go with this, but I, mm -hmm. I just kind of want to maybe skip ahead just a bit. Okay. Where, is there a certain point in your life where you've reached a, maybe a better balance between niceties and depravity and you maybe could introduce, like 
you took away your mattress for a while mm-hmm. and you realized that you had a lower back tightness, you introduced a stretching routine to now stretch out mm-hmm. your lower back and then develop a really good pattern of sleeping on your on your back. Mm-hmm. Then at that point, do you feel comfortable introducing maybe a mattress back into the equation and having that nicety, but then but you got the benefit of the awareness of the of the back and then maybe just experimenting by taking that away every now and again mm-hmm. again. Um, I, I just wanted to know what your, what your thought process was. Was it something more of a balance or, you know, this is a one-time fix-all and I'm never going back to a mattress again and kind of how you approach that? I think it really depends on the specifics and I don't know if there's a generalizable rule to all different kinds of calluses. For the mattress, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to get a mattress again just because... It, honestly, it's just a hassle. And <laughs> okay. It's hard to explain to people. And like, if I have a girl over, she's going to be like, are you a psychopath? Like, why are you sleeping <laughs> on the floor? I get that with the futon, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine not having a something. <laughs> yeah. I, but the shoes are something that I think Could I'm, stay. I'm, I'm never going to go back to wearing cushy Nike Air Max, whatever's. Right. Uh, because... I, you know, I think your feet are important. Having stable feet kind of is the stability of the rest of your athleticism. Mm-hmm. And it's important to me to have stable feet. So I'm I'm not going to go back to the old way of doing it because it might be a little bit more comfortable. But honestly, the point of a callus is that it becomes more comfortable in the long run. Like right. eventually you get the calluses and it covers over the blisters and then you don't get blisters anymore. It like becomes as comfortable and it actually becomes more comfortable because you're, you're stronger and you can move your body more, more ably. And you, you don't wake up in the morning being sore because your lower back is all fucked up. Yeah. It, It forces your routines and your body into a more sustainable habit long term by giving yourself these little micro uncomforts. Yeah. I, I, that's that's, that's kind of what I was hoping you'd go to was that it's sort of always going to be better to <laughs> have have the callus yeah. form and then that's like your new comfort. Like it is comfortable, but it's more of a, I don't know, is it is it a more fulfilled comfort it, because you didn't have a nicety to earn it? You've sort of earned this comfort. I don't know about <laughs> fulfilled. Like I don't, I don't know <laughs> like, if I don't my know. life is more fulfilling because yeah. I have strong feet but it makes me more resilient it makes me more anti-fragile yeah it allows me to reduce my dependencies on my environment uh-huh. and ultimately gives me more agency over what i do with my life because i don't need this support system built around me i can be right i can kind of just jump into any situation and be okay I, and the, it's kind of hard to maybe view that from a whole holistic life perspective mm-hmm. when you're just talking about like your feet yeah but I think that there's stuff I want to get into later in the episode is the idea of like a mental callus or I think we uh, an do. emotional callus, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. Now, emotional callus sounds really interesting because I think it's, typically you would think that that was a bad thing to be yeah. emotionally calloused. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, let's let's jump into those contexts. Um, the one thing I want to say just before we got into that was one more physical thing was I guess it's sort of physical. One thing I'm struggling with right now is, and I, I ebb and flow in this all the time. Mm-hmm. It's not like a serious thing, <laughs> but I got into the habit of watching anime every night before bed. Whereas before I had the habit of reading every night before bed. And there's just, 
a clear diff- difference when I read before I sleep and the sleep quality I get versus when I fall asleep or when I watch TV or watch anime before I go to sleep. And it's like not the fun thing to do to read, it seems. It's definitely easier and more passive and more entertaining at times to watch anime versus read a book. Okay. However, it's like the better option is clearly to read the book because of the sleep benefit I get. And I feel, I, it, you know, it translates directly into my next day. I'm a better me the next day because I slept better. Mm-hmm. So I just thought that, I just think that that's, it's not quite callousing, but it's also like part of this conversation, it seems to me, to like I, I choose the is, hard option sometimes. Yeah, it's a good segue into a mental callous. Mm-hmm. It, you're building up your ability to choose what to do with your concentration. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of work to concentrate on a book. It's yeah. a lot of work to, because you have to engage your, your brain way more. Anime, you can just sit there and it. Like let it suck you in. Yeah, like yeah. when you're listening to something, your brain automatically processes it without any effort. When you're watching something, your brain automatically processes it without effort. Yeah. A book is a lot more effort. Now so, it is, it is uh, subbed, so I have to read. Oh, <laughs> Wow. <laughs> <laughs> what an elitist watching the subbed anime. Okay, if we say anime one more time in this episode, shoot me. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. All right, so mental calluses. Yeah, what, so what, what first we I want to go into kind of the areas that maybe in the past humans have had calluses Okay. that we might benefit from kind of thinking about more intentionally. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to start off with a kind of a big one, almost a cultural callus around death. Um, I have never seen a dead body. I have hunted a few times, but I've, I'm so detached from the natural life cycle. Uh-huh. And I, I realized it was weird to start that sentence with I've never seen a dead <laughs> yeah, body. I was but just like this motherfucker. <laughs> like, it's, it's pretty uncommon in the grand scheme of the human life to be so detached from the life and death cycle. Like we we dress our dead people up in coffins to make them look like they're still alive. Yeah. It's we, pretty weird. To, that's yeah, pretty we, weird we to me. We bury them in boxes and yeah. I don't, we also, I guess as Americans don't have a very solidified grieving process and a lot of other cultures do. So when someone dies, it's kind of like they're gone. We don't have the, I guess death rituals that a lot of other cultures uh, like Japan, Japan Mexico. Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. We don't really have a connection to ancestry in yeah. the way that other people did. Um, I think that stuff's so beautiful, like the Day of the Dead stuff. That's so cool. Yeah, it, it's cool. But I also think it's weird that, you know, when someone close to you dies as an American, that might be the first time you've ever experienced that. Like we don't have any calluses around mm-hmm. being able to lose people effectively. Yeah. Uh, so... I'm not sure what the solution is. I don't know what a callus like that looks like other than Honestly, cultural I, traditions. Yeah, and I I personally uh, have a really good relationship with death. <laughs> yeah, my, I love that's, death. That's my homie. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, but I've just had a lot of people die in my life. Okay. And I feel like that's why. But I've used death as like oftentimes, honestly, most people in my life that die, some some have been harder than others because some have come from unexpected places. But... Oftentimes, like when they're older or something, you kind of just want peace for them. 
and mm-hmm. it feels like death might be the best option. And I don't mean to be macabre in that yeah. way, but when people are suffering, man, like, yeah, like when the bird's got his feather broken, it's like, mm-hmm. come on, we got we got to put it out of its misery. Yeah, and I'm not <laughs> saying you should kill people, but but like my grandfather was going through stage four prostate cancer, and it definitely was clear that death would be a nice a nicety in this in mm-hmm. this like environment, but. I think I think death's like really pretty, even even if there's no heaven. Um, I think that <laughs> I do. I I do. I don't think like the act of death is pretty. I think it's awful. It's one of the worst things to see somebody die. But the fact that death exists, I I strongly romanticize because I imagine myself not dying and not having any sense of urgency for my life and how that would change a lot of the dynamics. Like I, w- I feel like I appreciate the moment so much more because I know I'll die one day. I don't rush things because I know I'll die. I want to be here now because I know I don't get unlimited time. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a really beautiful part of that, but I'm, I think I'm derailing. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, I guess moving on from our <laughs> death. beautiful death conversation, uh, <laughs> humans used to have to deal with cold and heat way more than we do now. We have air conditioning, we have heaters. When we walk outside, we're wearing a coat. Uh, I don't know. I I think it's weird that we never have to be uncomfortable in that specific regard, and our tolerance for what we're willing to put up with is so much lower than it used to be. Right. So, yeah, go take a cold shower, go get in a sauna every once in a while. Not only is it good for your body, like just physiologically, it's definitely good for your mind to... I guess, make yourself, I don't know, uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> That's the takeaway right there. That's it. It's good for your mind and body to be uncomfortable. Yeah. I do you think I was going to get into that a little bit later in the okay. episode, but I think there's that's the correct answer, but there's one huge caveat, which is that uncomfort or discomfort has to be taken on voluntarily. It can't be enforced on you. Exactly. But- I was going to say, like, about resilience in general. Mm -hmm. To me, it seems formulaic and sort of in the control of your rearing and environment to make you either better because of a negative stimuli or sort of cowered away from a uh, Mm -hmm. negative stimuli. And you think, does that, do you think that that's, uh, I, I guess, do you think that's true, first of all? That, like, that comes from how you're raised? I think it's definitely a nurture thing that teaches you how to either rise to the occasion or just be scared of the occasion. Um, Maybe not always intentionally. Like, I have a lot of siblings, and some of us are better than others, even though we had the same parents at, at dealing with, adversity or we we view our relationship to negative things in our life differently okay so I, i'm not i mean sure that i'm sure there's like a biological component of it like okay. the ability to withstand stress or whatever yeah but okay assuming that there is or there isn't <laughs> i guess it's not really helpful to move the conversation forward but what i'm asking is like i feel like sometimes even in involuntary circumstances I like where you're going with the voluntary mm-hmm. stuff, and that's what callousing is about to me, I guess, mm-hmm. at the end of the day. But even in involuntary circumstances, there is an opportunity for you to be better there. Even when... I would say yes if 
you view it as something that is overcomable. Yes. Yeah. 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 Like, okay. Cause that's why I like Jocko's podcast. Mm-hmm. I found was because he's like covering things that are horrific mm-hmm. and all these people overcome them. Yeah. You kind of have to be taught that the victim mindset will, will tear you down. Oh, wow. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I will. I, I don't know. It, it, it's not something that's always super obvious. So maybe you're right that it's a nurture thing or maybe it's just an environment thing. Yeah. Or maybe it's just something people have to learn and people learn it at different paces. But there's this idea in medicine and in physiology called hormesis, which is... Ha, say it one more time. Or, hormesis. Hormesis, okay. Uh, and it's it. basically the scientific equivalent of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Okay. Uh, as long as the thing that doesn't kill you is at least viewed as voluntary, like you're you're facing it head on. Okay. You you look this challenge in the face and you you choose to overcome it. So they've done studies. Okay. I was gonna say like, what do you think of POWs and stuff? I'm I'm sure the ones who have didn't over. have that mindset, you know, didn't fare well. Yeah. I don't know though. Okay. Um, okay. But they've done studies on people in saunas. And if the people in the sauna chose to get in the sauna voluntarily, their body produces more of the heat shock proteins than if they didn't know they were going to be getting in a sauna and were like basically mind tricked into not wanting to be in there. That's so cool. So the fact that we view a challenge as good for us completely changes how our bodies respond to it, how our minds respond to it. How fucking cool are our bodies, man? Mm-hmm. That's so sick. Hormesis is is one of the most interesting ideas I've come across recently. I definitely want to learn more. That yeah. sounds so cool. I guess that makes sense, though. I guess when you... Like, almost anything you do voluntarily that you were forced to do as mm-hmm. a kid is better. Like reading, for example. Mm-hmm. Now I yeah. love reading so much more than yeah. I did as a kid. Exactly. <laughs> and maybe you're right that it doesn't always have to be strictly voluntary, uh-huh. but you have to feel like you have agency. You have to feel like this. Well, you have to have hope. Yeah. You, you, you're you not just a victim of your circumstance. You have autonomy. Like you can make it better. I don't know if this is another episode, but victim mindset is, is sort of the I think it rules our society a bit. Honestly, I think most people mm-hmm. act like victims and yeah. are well, victims. I, I want to be really careful here because I've never been a victim of anything. So it's like almost hilarious that I can say like the victim mindset is bad for you because I've never been a victim of anything personally. But I've been a victim a couple of times, but I don't choose to view yeah. it myself as a victim. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's very, very, very empowering, especially when you're in those situations. When you're in those situations and you feel like your life's shit and you feel like you've been the lowest of the low, those are the times when not being a victim and practicing, callousing, doing all these things ultimately lead to a better decision matrix in those moments, in the moments that are fucking like hard as shit and you don't see the light, you know, like when you, when you don't have the opportunity or, or any hope in the situation, when you, when you are armed with the, I don't know what the, what is the opposite of victim mentality, like hero mentality? I don't know. Like the the person who thinks that they can do it versus the person who thinks is or their control and they can affect their situation positively versus the pick versus the person who thinks that their environment happens to them. Like 
it was very clear to me that I happened to my environment at some point in my adolescence, mm-hmm. not my environment happening to me. And I think you were a big part of me, like helping to understand that our friendship. But I guess those are the times when it's most important is when it's the hardest to, to see that. Mm-hmm. And so practicing the, this kind of work that you're talking about, like even just taking your mattress away is sort of practice for when shit really hits the fan taking a cold shower is sort of practice for when you're really under some stress. Yeah, that's, that's totally right. We, we have to, I guess, teach ourselves and continually remind ourselves that we have agency. I used to do this thing called uh, disaster, disaster testing, disaster stressing. Right. Where I guess before I moved to Denver, I lived in my car for a week, even though I didn't have to. Yeah just because I wanted to practice for the disaster in case it ever came to that. Like in case I, you know, couldn't get a job and, you know, had to live out of my car out of necessity. Yeah. I wanted to be comfortable to do it. I wanted, yeah, I wanted to be prepared to do that. I wanted to know that I would be okay. Yeah. And telling yourself or giving yourself opportunity to grow. Like that was a callus I built up for myself. Right. And it not only helped me, I guess, overcome the fear of, I guess, monetary failure. Cause like the worst thing that happens is I end up living in my car. That's not that bad. I've already done it. Right. It makes it probably more likely that that's not going to happen just because I increase my agency as a person by doing that. Yeah. And that affects thus your like ability to even earn a job better because you have so much more mm-hmm. resilience towards the, towards the fact yeah, and I think most they're. most people hear what you just said and are like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> but I think it's so cool that you you did something like that um, because you're right. I think very clearly when you start exposing yourself to uh, hard situations, uncomfortable situations, you very clearly start to see the benefit of them translate into mm-hmm. other areas of your life, like taking a taking a cold shower or reading at night. Things and it, it's all subjective. Whatever's hard for you, mm-hmm. but doing things that are hard for you make doing things that are hard in general easier. Yeah. That's kind of the second order effect of callousing. Like the the theory behind callousing is doing something hard makes your body or your mind better at doing that specific hard thing. Right. But the second order effect of that is anything that you do that is hard makes you better at doing every other hard thing. Yes. Because the way our minds work, mental callousing is transferable while Physical callousing is not, but the act of getting physical calluses is a form of mental callousing. So anyways, yeah, let's move on to some more potential mental calluses or calluses in general that you could get. Okay. Um, A big one is solitude and boredom. Uh, I know a lot of people and I used to not really be great at being bored or being alone. Uh, and the way I think about it is if you're never hungry throughout the day, you're probably overeating. If you're never bored throughout the day, you're probably overstimulated. And I think it's super important to be alone. It's uncomfortable a little bit and you have to build up a callus to it. You get better at it over time. It's going to suck at first if you're always around other people, but it's a huge step to self-development. If you can't be alone, how are you going to be happy with someone else? Amen. Amen. I, we had a conversation earlier today about uh, sort of relationships and that's that's a huge part of that mm-hmm. for me 
and like being a good part partner in a relationship is being comfortable being alone. Like I can be better. I don't need you in my life. I want you in my life, and it makes the it makes the attention to detail serving somebody else in a relationship. I think a, mo- a lot more um, granular, a lot a lot better. I think mm-hmm. you're better because of that. Um, I, I have so much to say about what you just talked about, boredom. And, for it, yeah. and I mean, we already kind of touched on it with like reading yeah. books at night, yeah. the ability to focus, the ability to withstand the 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 base layer boredom. Yeah. But it's really just the initial getting started and then it's interesting. You you saying that I liked what you said about the food. If you're hungry all day, or if you're never hungry all day, you're probably eating overeating. If you're if you're never bored all day, you're probably overstimulated. Boredom, I wanted to just talk about just real quickly what boredom does for creativity. Okay. I think some of your best ideas just come from not being stimulated. Mm-hmm. Some of my best ideas definitely come from doing nothing with my time. And I, so much to the point where I have started programming nothing in my time from certain hours of the day. And I see the benefit every time I do that versus every time I skip that hour. So mm-hmm. I'll, I have an hour every day from 12 to 1 where I'm, I'm supposed to either read or do nothing and eat my lunch. So within that whole hour, I do all those things. And sometimes the whole hour is me eating. Sometimes the whole hour is me doing nothing. Sometimes the whole hour is me reading. And sometimes it's a mix of all of them. But every time I skip that, I notice the mental fatigue. Or I guess I'm less mental fatigued when I do incorporate that hour. And I can feel when I haven't incorporated that hour, I guess. I, I feel the lack thereof. I feel I feel not as sharp as when I do when I incorporate that time. And it, I was inspired by somebody. I was inspired by a, different, a lot of things. Tyler, the creator, one one time came out on Twitter and was talking about like, Yo, just go be bored. And, and <laughs> like all caps. He's like, none of y'all bored. Like seriously, like all go be bored. Like go, go, go sit in a field, do nothing. Because the, all my best ideas come to me when I'm doing nothing. And like yeah, that's one of his. So be- true. It's one of his best tweets of all time because it just it was immediately true to me. I was like, yes, you're right. Actually, mm-hmm. I don't don't get to think my own thoughts when I'm so stimulated mm-hmm. all the time. But yeah, I could go off on a tangent about that. I love. I think we all kind of subliminally know that because people talk about shower thoughts. Yeah, yeah. And I think it helps if you're bored mentally but doing something physical. Yeah. For some reason, that that helps me a lot. I used to do a lot of indoor bike riding uh-huh. and I would have great ideas when I was on the bike just because there's nothing to do but sit there. But your body's moving yeah. or you're on a long walk, you know, especially in nature for oh some God. reason that just makes the ideas flow. Long walks in outside are the shit. <laughs> They're the <laughs> shit. I have so many ideas outside on my <laughs> walk. <laughs> That's why I try not to miss that hoe. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I want to okay, transition yeah. a little bit from maybe calluses that people in the past have had okay. to using modern society to create calluses that were not accessible to people in the past, but are still beneficial. Okay. So an example of this, I think is giving blood. Uh, I guess people in the past lost blood, but we can give blood and get the act of giving blood, not only like helps people who need blood, but it makes your body healthier. It does. Yeah, it's like super good for your heart health because you have to recreate all those red blood cells. Go get some blood, bro. Yeah, if if you go give blood, your your chances of all form cancers go way down. And uh, it's 
better for your like your cardiovascular health. Like your VO2 max will literally increase. What the fuck? Because your body has to create more red blood cells. It's kind of like the advantage of living at, at altitude because uh-huh. your your body just has to make more blood cells. We ha- living in Denver, Colorado, we have more red blood cells than people who live in Florida. Wow. Yeah, and that can be increased even more by giving blood, which is an artificial thing, which is just happens to be beneficial for people who are dying or need blood or whatever. I've always been so sussed out by giving blood, so I'm glad you said that. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a try at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I'm not a fan of needles, but it's Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, why, why do that shit? But I guess that's the well, whole it's point. It's good for other people and yeah. it's good for you. Yeah, yeah. So really, there's no reason not to do it if you're a healthy person. We're just lazy. <laughs> um, Ultimately. <laughs> yeah. There's a few other ones like uh, super high heat ha- saunas or cryo uh, chambers, which kind of get the benefit of the heat shock proteins from being in the cold or the heat, but you can be a lot more intentional about it. So getting in a sauna that's 160 degrees for 30 minutes is incredibly beneficial for your mind and your body. But uh-huh. we might not, not have had access to that a long time ago unless right. you're like an Indian sweat lodge or yes. something. I just have to say that I think an ice bath is much harder than cryotherapy. And that I've never done cryotherapy, so I, don't I haven't know. either. That's why I said I think. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> whatever. But I, I, I got really into recovery for like two seconds, mm-hmm. and I was researching everything. And the consensus online, from what I found, I don't mm-hmm. have like fucking credible anything, but just the general consensus is that like an ice bath, like tried and true, is just way less fancy, way less cost effective, or, or way more cost effective, and way more actually good for you and harder for you to endure uh, than cryotherapy. I believe that it's harder because you have to be in there much longer. Yeah. But I think the cold shock proteins are are pretty much just about the, the cold. Word. So as long as you're cold, Word. you're probably getting them. <laughs> I don't know about their, their recovery specific. The, aspects, the recovery though. specifically apparently is better from an ice bath than cool. cryotherapy. Yeah, I believe you. Just so you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. And I think the last one that I think we have access to is because we don't have to spend hours a day uh, hunting or gathering or whatever, we can use our free time a little bit more discerningly, which means we have the ability, I think, to be more mentally generative, like with knowledge work and stuff like that. And that's a form of mental callus, which is really important. And it kind of builds on the initial ones we talked about like focus and boredom and solitude uh the the ability to read for long periods of time Mm -hmm. uh is a kind of mental callus that i'm not that good at but i need to be better at like sitting down and focusing on just consuming knowledge Uh intentionally for two hours at a time or whatever yeah i can't do two hours but i will say that doing it more helps me do it longer Mm -hmm. so it's a it's a kind of callus yeah wow cool so uh, I wonder what, do you see any other areas in your life where you can maybe explore that you haven't? I I mean, you're, mm-hmm. you, you, you do this well, I think for the most part, like you, you seek discomfort pretty well, but even, even in a person like you, I'm sure there's not stones that are unturned. Yeah, so, definitely. so I don't know. Where do you, do you see any opportunities for yourself to be more calloused? I think I see a lot. I think I'm pretty soft. <laughs> um, well, in terms of my physical body, there's definitely a lot of calluses I could have. Um, 
yeah, like upper body strength is a callus that I'm lacking a bit. Uh, I feel like I feel like honestly, mental calluses are way more important because I think mental calluses carry physical calluses. Like mental mm-hmm. calluses yeah. allow you to be more physical. They're kind of a path to each other in a yeah. way. Like yeah, yeah. you'll become more mentally strong if you work out a lot, yeah. but you'll also increase your ability to work out a lot by gaining other mental calluses. Right. In terms of just mental calluses, um, I know I need to take more cold showers. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. just like kind of just enduring pain. Yeah. Generally. And not this, not the bitch kind, like the hard kind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what I mean by that is turning it to cold and jumping in, not turning it to warm and then just turning it to cold when you're in there. I think I could definitely be better at um, maybe uncomfortable conversations. I think that's a form of callousing. Ah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, I'm, sometimes I try to spare people's feelings when it's better for both of us if I don't do that. Okay. Uh, but it's uncomfortable. It and is. I don't want to do it. <laughs> what do you find you do that the most? With girls. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Say no more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that conversation's over. <laughs> um, yeah, I, th- I think I could do that more. Um, I think I could, I think I'm uncomfortable like approaching girls, but I just feel, cause like, I feel like there's so many shitty guys that like, we just have a bad vibe associated already. But like when it's natural, it's totally cool. But like mm-hmm. actually walking up to a girl and be like, hello, <laughs> that's, that's more difficult. My name, Jacob, what's your name? <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to know what calluses you don't have. And it, you that's kind of true. have to learn by, yeah. I guess, getting into a situation where you realize you're deficient. And also too, it's like, it kind of goes hand in hand with this discipline too. Mm-hmm. It's like, I need to clean my room more. I need to be more on top of my laundry or something. Like I feel like all those are part of this conversation, at least a little bit. Maybe they're tangential, but discipline, I feel like, is a callus on its own, maybe even, and something yeah. I should be. This does kind of touch on the discipline equals freedom because the more calluses you have, the more autonomy you have. Yeah, I think that's a great point. But yeah, I think I I I guess I just want to be more disciplined in general. And yeah, me too. <laughs> and then that's that's sick. It always blows my mind because, like, I'll hear when somebody says I'm disciplined, like they'll be like, oh, "You're so disciplined," and I'm like, "Like what? What do you mean?" Like I'm like I, I'm flattered, yeah. obviously, but I'm like, "Yo, I have so much." And then like I'm like, "You seen Will?" And then Will's like, "I'm not disciplined I'm not at disciplined. all. <laughs> I'm just good at." And making then Will, people perceive me as disciplined. Will's like, you see Shinsen Young? <laughs> <laughs> Shinsen Young's a goon. There's just always a bigger, better mm-hmm. something. And the comparison game is kind of evil. Um, but yeah. discipline is still important. Of course. Yeah. Thanks for bringing this up, man. Yeah. I, I thought it was fun. I think it's really good. I think it goes hand in hand with like seeking discomfort too, which maybe is a different conversation. I have to mm-hmm. write about it more to figure that out. And it but. probably goes back to the last episode that you had about failing. Like, yeah you're going to fail a lot or it's going to be uncomfortable at least to put yourself out there to get these, these calluses. Right. I think there's something kind of, uh, cool that we're kind of doing lately, at least in the podcast is it seems like they're kind of running into one another as far as topics kind Mm -hmm. of piggybacking off of another. Jake and I are becoming a hive mind. Yes. We can read each other's thoughts now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're going to wrap this up now. Uh, Where can they find us online? You can find us, uh, at the internet. HCTP. Yes, colon, double slash, livingevernow.com. And there you can find our podcast on all streaming services and our RSS feed. 
And well, you're listening to it, so you probably already found that. <laughs> you can find our socials, find our Instagram, find our Twitter. Our Twitter is really just smacking. I'm just, I just gotta say it. You gotta, you gotta hop on our Twitter. There's so many good links on there. There's so many good resources. Um, I think I, we, we think each link will probably make you better, but we're not. We're honestly not entirely sure. It's up to you. Um, <laughs> and then, and then uh, lastly, we have a Discord link in the bio. Is there anything we should link to from this conversation in the bio? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Yeah. Um, that's it. Go take a cold shower, though. That's a great first step. That's good. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Should we put action statements at the end? No. We should. For this one, there's for an action one, statement. Like, Next like, time you take a shower, <laughs> for the last 30 seconds of it, be as cold as possible. Just for 30 seconds. The last 30 seconds. You can do your warm shower at the beginning. Just try 30 seconds of cold at the end. And Will and I at least will know when we do it because we can hear the scream from the other bathroom. We're like, ah! <laughs> yeah, that's what that noise is. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Bye! <laughs>